Right, okay, so this is episode six of Music and More. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the last episode. I've had a lot of positive feedback about it. Um, obviously, uh, Tim having a lot to do with us, had a lot of uh, really enthusiastic things to say. And I think it was really nostalgic for all of us, to be honest. And uh, for a lot of people who were obviously close to us growing up and stuff. So actually, if, uh, on that note, on the show, we've got my brother Tom, as well as Pete, always. So yeah, how are you doing, Pete, today anyway? Doing well, doing well, man. Yeah, last week was crazy. It was. So good. Yeah, man. A lot of really good feedback. So, yeah, Tom, if you just want to say hello quickly. Hello. <laughs> That'll do for now. <laughs> that was pretty quick. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, what we're we going with, Pete, then first off, is it Twitter messages? Is that what we're going to go with? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we've been getting questions, uh, random questions from different uh, listeners. And so, quite a few came in. And uh, let's see. One from Dave Robson. Uh, he was talking about an old gig that you guys had. Uh, it was uh, pretty close to his house. It was uh, called uh, Lacorum Barnsley. <laughs> I'm really bad with these things. <laughs> Uh, is it is it record- that's is that, it- that's not as good as Battier, but yeah, it's the local it, the local room, is it the lo- locker room? I don't know what they call it, local room in Barnsley. Yeah, I do remember that gig very well actually. That yeah. gig was mental. It was mental because that was another one where they crammed far too many yeah. people in the room. Yeah, I don't. I think it was just like a pub. I don't even think it were a proper venue. Um, and it had like a, a you know like a, a relatively big room with some. I don't know. It was. It, there's no way that were a proper gig anyway. But yeah, I do remember it, and it was absolutely nuts. Yeah. It was in between the it was in between the second album and the third album. I, I think, think I think it was yeah because didn't we didn't we didn't we do some outlandish like start with no danger? Ooh, we did, we did, we started with no danger, we wow. did, uh, and I I can't claim to remember that myself. Um, someone prompted me about that recently, and I thought that's rubbish, that can't be right. And the more I thought about it, and I spoke to someone else, Rob Hurst actually, Rob H on Twitter, one of the encyclopedias, and he was like, yeah, you did, you played no danger first. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I do remember that gig. So go on. So that's interesting because I guess I thought you always started with the dance. That's interesting that you guys uh, switched it up. Yeah, that was literally the only time we did that. Other than, I mean, like, you know, festivals and stuff like that. Unless it was like, you know, in this country and our a headlining slot, fair enough. But especially like in America, when you're doing festivals and you've got half hour or even even in Australia, really, or anywhere else where you haven't got a relatively headlining slot, we'd, we didn't usually go for dance first. I think we used to do ah. Long Road first. But mm. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, what was funny for me was I've been looking at YouTube forever, like looking at all the different music clips and this one never came up. When you search like the music, the music live, this never came up. And so this guy, Dave, was like, yeah, you should check out. And I, I Googled that name uh, and it came up and I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to see some new live music clips. But man, they were they were horrible on YouTube. The, the sound was like, <laughs> was like you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> you could only just see it, it the band. Just, it's, it's like filmed. From was like it just that. like a fan, a fan filming it or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, a, you know, this, you ever see someone film like a cell phone and they're like standing right in front of the PA and you could barely hear anything. <laughs> I bet that was probably Theano. I mean, we had um, uh, a great fan, actually. She came all over the world to see us, but she always used to watch every gig through a phone or a camcorder or whatever she was filming. I'm not sure what she was actually filming with, but um, she was always on the front row, always recording. And I think she was quite notorious, actually. I've, I've since learned from Twitter that I think she was quite notorious that if you if you sort of bashed into her a bit too much, you got kicked, which I thought <laughs> was quite funny, actually. But yeah, I bet that, I bet that is who filmed that for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Dave was also asking about T-shirts. Now, of course, we know you, you're not responsible for, you know, T-shirts. We understand that. You I know. made that clear, yeah. 
But yeah, we were talking about he he was showing me some of the t-shirts that he had from the music which were pretty cool. So I was like, yeah, we got we got to find out who is responsible for, you know, swag at Temple Newsom because, you know, there's definitely well, going to be an outcry for that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to that show, there'll be merch and we'll be sorting it out, but that's that's like a long time away, do you know what I mean? It's not like we're going to start sorting all that stuff out now. Um but yeah, of course, man, closer to the shows, we'll be talking about merch, but I thought people were talking about like resurrecting old merch do you know what i mean like the, literally the only yeah. stuff that of, of ours that exists is i think i've got a couple of boxes in my garage still and obviously Arjun and i's had quite a lot that she were selling um, with proceeds going to charity but other than that i mean you know it's not like there's any stock stock of t-shirts but of course um yeah we'll be doing merch for temple news and definitely man definitely yeah Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. Any other questions? If, you, if you're listening and you, you got questions for Adam, just go ahead and uh, send them to either Adam or myself on Twitter. Uh, I'm at V Pedro Arrow. Yeah. So yeah, Tim last week was, that was pretty good. I, I grabbed a couple of clips that stuck out to me, but I'm curious, Adam, what was uh, any, any any favorite clips for you? Any, any parts of that conversation that stood out for you? Well, to be honest, listening back to it, the, the whole thing, and I think it was probably the same for the other lads as well. It were like I said earlier, it was just it was really nostalgic, and I suppose the only people who ever heard that stuff was us, if you know what I mean. And even sort of going down to our families and stuff, it was mainly us that heard it. So yeah. to, for other people um, who were around when we were sort of coming through, so to speak, to hear sort of that side of it, I just thought it would give it a lot more context. And as nervous as Tim claimed to be, I thought, you know, he, he did a really good job. Um, and as I said, I've had a lot of positive feedback about that episode in particular, to be honest. So it, it will be interesting to get Tim back on for sure. But yeah, it, it's difficult really to pick out any... Um, you know, like I say, the whole thing really for me was sort of stand out. I mean, it just it carries so much enthusiasm. But yeah, what I mean, what do you think, Pete? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Funny thing is, is I reached out to him afterwards and I was like, hey, thanks for coming on. That was that was really great. And he was like, I'm really sorry that I spoke too long. And I know I probably said too much. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, yeah, well, I, he could have talked another it. hour. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. But when he talked about Bright Young Things, uh, and that's the first clip I have here, it was, it was pretty funny. You know, he, the setup is, is and, and you should definitely listen to episode five if you haven't, but the setup is, is it was this, this, this contest called Bright Young Things, and he had been listening to all these mediocre bands that, you know, had been trying really hard, and, and then that's where this clip begins. And then this band come on, and it's four scruffy lads. <laughs> you know, Rob, the singer, skinhead, um, you know, Stu looking awful like Stu did at that time. And, um, you, you know, they, they were 16-year-old lads. They, 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 they were genuine. Like, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? So what, what is this going to be like? Yeah, so it was pretty funny hearing him talk about how uh, he first uh, saw you guys. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, and, you know, it was difficult, really, because they were on such a good floor um, that – it was hard to sort of talk about it with him, do you know what I mean? Because he would just go in, which were brilliant. But that's why I think on this episode, it'd be it'd be nice to sort of talk about some of them things, do you know what I mean? But definitely, I remember his face when he came to the dressing room door, you know, it, honestly. And that enthusiasm that you can sort of hear on the podcast, kind of hard to describe, but he shows that enthusiasm on his face as well as sort of in his voice. So, you know, him coming to the, to the door of the dressing room and you could tell that, he were really excited. Uh, and obviously, like, like he said, he, Bruno Brooks had come to the dressing room first, which was <laughs> which was really strange. Yeah. Really, really strange. So when Bruno came to the door, you guys weren't considering going with Bruno? I don't know who that is, but that's funny. 
Well, it, I mean, I just, I'm such sure it's something that Tom will cover as well, but we didn't, you know, it was just mental. You know, so first Bruno Brooks comes and, you know, don't forget we're young kids and we didn't know a great deal about the music industry, but we knew him. We knew who Bruno Brooks was for a start, do you know what I mean? And he, what was it? He was talking about the internet, wasn't he? Do you remember? He, was, he came in and he was talking about, um, you know, the internet's going to be really powerful and I'm... It, I can't remember in detail anyway, but he, he gave quite an impassioned speech. Do you know what I mean? In the same way yeah. that Tim eventually did, but it was it was a, it was a crazy night that night. Obviously, it was proper, yeah, really bizarre, bizarre experience. Tom, you were there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole experience was uh, bizarre, uh, surreal, and you know, I think I'd just like to say that the family members and, and friends of the band, we lived and breathed every single minute of of all this. Um, you know, every, you know, all the way through the career, every TV appearance, every radio play, every gig, you know, we, we were all absolutely consumed by it. And that bright young things, uh, saga was, was the start of it all really. And, you know, I, I don't remember seeing Tim on the night. I don't, I don't think I did. It was afterwards when, you know, oh, everybody yeah. got home and it was like, well, there's this guy there from ah. London and he does PR for the Verve and... It was like what you know. This can't be can't be happening. And you know everything progressed from there. But that whole competition was quite a big deal actually in the Leeds music scene. I, I remember that. If if there even was a Leeds music scene, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. And it, I, I'd heard about it from a couple of years before. Um. And I remember the early rounds of the competition as well. And basically, the early rounds, as I remember it, were whoever brought the most fans to the gig, uh, they were going to win because everybody voted in the in the room. I think. <laughs> So the, the, they were the first rounds, and then the semi-final, if you remember, was at the Duchess. Well, yeah, I think the, I think the Heats were at the Duchess as well. well sure, they, they, were, they, they were. They might have been, but but the semi-final was at the Duchess. But that was judged as well, and that was judged by Stuart Fletcher from the Sea Horses. He was a bassist in the Sea Horses, and I think Paul Banks from Shed, Shed Seven. Seven. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they were definitely. Yeah, they, them. Too. I remember now. Yeah, it, 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 both the Heat and the semi-final were definitely at the Duchess. Because there was that rockabilly band, weren't there? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. 50s rockabilly band. Yeah, who were actually really good at yeah. what they did, weren't they? Yeah, um, yeah, they were really good, but they, they were just doing covers. Do you know what I mean? And they had this, like, 11-year-old kid as, like... And he were great as well, like, playing guitar and that, but it was a bit of... I mean, they were a bit of a novelty band, yeah. do you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what was the difference between us and a lot of bands going into that, where a lot of other bands were trying to imitate people, and we weren't really... Well, yeah, going back to Tim, um, it was interesting because, you know, he, he was saying I do PR for the Verve and all this stuff. And obviously, you know, we were like 16 and our brothers, we were all into the Verve, do you know what I mean? So straight away when someone said, and he was talking about the Charlatans as well and stuff, you know, everyone's favourite bands. So yeah. that was extra weird to sort of come home and say, oh, well, there's, you know, this bloke and people are like, oh, they'll believe you. Do you know what I mean? It mm -hmm. were, I mean, like Tom says, it, it was so bizarre and like, it was like a snowball that started rolling from that night and it, it rolled pretty fast. Do you know what I mean? I, I remember meeting Tim quite quickly. I think afterwards, he, I don't think I was there for that, that rehearsal, but I, I do remember meeting him, but that same enthusiasm that he had in, in last week's episode is exactly how he was then. And you could see this passion for the band. And I don't think it was a case of trying to butter up, uh, our parents or anything like that to try and get this band. He genuinely believed everything that he was that he was oh, yeah. saying. 
Yeah, he was pretty passionate about it. Matter of fact, the next clip I have is uh, when he came down to see you guys when you were playing around and recording. And uh, and I think it's the first time he heard Long Road. So take a listen. When they actually started to record and they were going to make their first album, how involved were you throughout that process? Were you there for the making of the albums? Did you ever see them in concert when they toured? What level of involvement did you have? Well, look, man, this was this was my band. Man. Yeah, I was there as much as I could be. You know, I was a, I. I would wanted to be in the band, you know, I wanted to be part of every <laughs> single moment. There was one time where we went up and they'd been recording in um, a studio with this guy, Will Jackson. And um, I can't remember what you, you were supposed to be recording, but I remember being there and somebody saying, oh, why don't we play that funky one from the other night? And they played it live, like, like take the long road and walk it. Oh man. <laughs> and straight away I was like, oh shit. <laughs> now, the, you know, it's yeah. like they've just rolled double six, you know, and, and we're off on the board. It was like, ah, oh, wow. Yeah, that must have been pretty cool. So when you guys first came up with uh, Long Road, was that that was uh, obviously a pivotal moment, and, and he pointed that out. So, that, Tom, did, what was your involvement in that? Like, I, I can only imagine if you're his brother, he's probably picking around on stuff, and you hear these things probably before they formulate. Well, they used to practice down on Kirkstall Road, and um, obviously it all kicked off by then and, and we knew they had this management company and everything else and you know I, I, I'm like you Pete really I, I was a fan yeah you can't judge it really objectively as his brother but ultimately I was a fan and so I used to say to him oh, can I come down and watch you, watch you practice I don't think he ever really wanted me to um, <laughs> frankly but um, he was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah alright I remember going down and being really sort of excited to, uh, to, to go watch them and, and see them jam and everything and we got down there onto that place in Kirkstall Road and went in and I was expecting them to sort of, you know, get all the kit set up and everything. And then I think somebody was like, right, who's turning the lights on? It's like, what, what do you mean? So we're going to play hide and seek. Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, we, we play hide and seek. So the next thing, all the lights went off in the, in, down in Kirkstall Road, pitch black, and there was a full-scale game of hide and seek in this, you know, dungeon for about an hour and I'd, I'm not even sure they played that night. I'm not convinced they did if they did it for about five minutes so I, I, never, I never saw a lot <laughs> well, I mean that I mean, I've talked about that before definitely that's it kind of it became a ritual at that point and that it'll be fun when we get organized on as well because I mean she were there for all that uh, quite a lot of Phil's mates were and there'll be a lot of anecdotal stuff about that but yeah because I think even before that, though, did you come up to Church Hall or to any pubs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, saw you a few times. Well, I, I remember the early days before uh, the Bright Young Things. I don't think you'd done loads of gigs. We you definitely didn't do loads no, of gigs. No, no. But you did do the odd one. And I remember one specifically at the Legion in Kipax. And just rewinding a little bit, Adam was actually in a band with, with me. And we used, to, we used to practice in my mate Ben's uh, uh, garage. And uh, we, we used to do covers. And um, one one week, I can't remember what we we all decided we were going we were going to practice and play. But we all turned up in the garage, and everybody's ready to play. And he's like, "I've not learned it." <laughs> what do you mean you've not learned? Well, I don't want to play it. It's like, well, I don't care if you don't want to play. You're going to play it. And I'm not playing it. So everyone's standing watching while me and him having this big row. Play the song. I'm not playing the song. Well, play the song, or you're out, or you're out of the band, man. <laughs> it was like, well. I'm not playing it. So I think, as I remember, I physically ejected him from the garage. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, uh, and as he was picking up his, his guitar kit, I remember this 
really well. As he was picking up his guitar case and walking off up the road, he turned back to me and went, I don't want to be in your band anyway, because I'm joining a band with Rob Harvey and we're going to be massive. And I remember laughing my head off. Yeah, whatever. See you later, pal. And, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Oh my yeah, goodness. I think... It- I think it was a lightning seed song. How I think. dare you not play the lightning <laughs> seed? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a lightning seed song that, that I refused to play on that occasion, to be honest. But yeah, uh, yeah. I do remember that very well. Uh, certainly, I mean, you know, come on, you did me a favour, really. To but, be you fair. know, they went on from there. And, um, you know, Rob, I, I knew Rob and Stu very well anyway from, from school because we were all was in the music block and, and things like that. And um, they did, pl- I remember going to see them at the Legion and it was obvious to me straight away that there was something a bit different about them. They weren't doing the same thing that every other band in yeah. in and around our village was, was doing. There was no Summer of 69 cover um, <laughs> or, or One I Love by R.E.M. And they co- they come on and I think it was... The dance, which at that stage I'm pretty sure was called Where Angels Play. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Rob gets the bongos out and sits there in the British Legion with the with the bongos between his his knees. Yep. Um and I and I remember thinking then, yeah, do you know what? This is uh this is something a little bit different. And yeah. uh, from from then, you know, thing things kicked on. They did that competition and um when Coalition got involved, which is a company that, that Tim Viggen worked for, it, it was just bizarre. And, and to this day, actually, I still pinch myself about things, you know, um, seeing them on the telly, selling all those tickets for Temple News. I mean, it never changes. It's a buzz and uh, yeah, it's, it's it, weird. This movie writes itself. We're going to have to make this movie and that's going to be another <laughs> scene of you like kicking him out of this band and then, <laughs> and then he goes on and tells you, I'm making a band with Rob Harvey. It's going to be awesome. And then, yeah, and then it really happened. Who, that, who that was in hilarious. that band? It were you, Ben? Were it Rich Wales? I think Rich Wales was in it. Was Zach, Zach as well? Zach in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, any old demos of that band? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Certainly not from uh, when I was in it anyway. <laughs> But yeah, it, it it was a, it was a really strange time, and it like the excitement for us obviously built, but it, like Tom says, it was really exciting for everyone around us as well. Like Rob's brother as well, do you know what I mean? It was really exciting for him, and it might be interesting to speak to Adam Harvey as well at some point. Um, well, he's in the People video. Yeah, he is. He is. Organizes in it as well. I think. Yeah, I they are. It, but, so. Because yeah, Adam Harvey is the one who run, runs at the beginning with the flares. Yeah. That's right. right. I remember that because like we said as well, especially the people video, that video were mental man, because it was just like loads of our friends and stuff like that. It wasn't. Yeah. I brought 40 people from did Huddersfield you? University did you? Where, where, I, where I was studying at the time. And, you know, cause we got told, I, I was saying my brother's in a band, they're filming the first proper video. Um, and it was a case of just bring all your mates into this place, which was a blank canvas where they ended up doing live at the blank canvas, but that wasn't that. That wasn't that gig. Was they it did, not? They didn't. You did a gig that night. Oh, that was the second one. Yeah. Wasn't it? So, you, so you did a gig that night after you'd done the main bits of the video. You you did a gig where they filled extra bits of the video, which we brought all our mates to and everything else. But and that I, wasn't the blank canvas. But that's not the blank canvas. The second one was live at the blank canvas. Right. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, because we we liked it that much, we thought we'll do a gig in here, a pro, like a proper one. That must have been why. Yeah, that I mean that were that were amazing as well. That yeah. That actually reminded me of a question I had: the, the getaway video. Who, who's oh, yeah. the who's that dude? That's like, <laughs> I don't know the the nemesis, if you will, of of Rob in the video. It's like this guy who keeps just, running at him. Is he just a random person, or did you know who? Just it was? extras, just extras. Yeah, I mean okay. that first video, the first people video we had all his pals in it. Like uh, Tom says, organizes. I mean, loads of people are in that video. Loads of people. But yeah, I, the every other video after that, it's you know it's extras, sort of you know, okay. From, okay. Well, or you know. 
people who apply for the job i don't know that's not again that's another thing that does not fall into my remit sort of doing stuff like that but yeah uh, every other video is just extras but yeah the the getaway video that's not bad i forgot about that one that's that's got a vibe yeah you know what i mean i think that's got a vibe as well that maybe a lot of the um because i'm trying i'm trying to remember stuff off second album like welcome to the north want that video pretty vibey i think that might have just been like a mashup of live footage i don't think i saw what i mean yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a video for Welcome to the North. Um, I think that might have been filmed at Liverpool. It was, it was filmed at Liverpool Academy. And I'll tell you what we did have. We did a video because Bleed From Within was actually going to be the single off the second album. But Radio 1 refused to play it, didn't they? Because they felt it had some sort of a war type political message in it or something. Um, but we'd filmed like a really good, I'm sure there was like a really good video to that or like a really interesting video. Um did he actually? I'm sure we still made it and put it out. We might have done, but have you seen a video from Blade from Within? No, no. no. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to have a dig around. We might not have released it. I remember we went through all the proper promo and everything for it, and it was right at the last second. Radio mm. One said we're not going to play this track, yeah. So I'd we like had to, to switch. That. We switched it to breaking instead. <laughs> Well, this other clip I wanted to play for you with Tim that I thought was really cool was when you guys were in uh, Japan and uh, how he first went and saw there was like not a lot of people there and he had this oh, whole yeah. back and forth. It was a really long but really great story. So you, you definitely should listen to episode five. But here's the part when he realized that there was like all these people and then he was like talking to you guys about it and when you went on stage. So here's Tim. This is history, lads. We're going to make history right now, right here. Go out. This is history. This is history. Rob had some terrible jean shorts on, you know, just, (laughs) and they walked on stage, played the first note of the dance and the whole tent went insane. Oh yeah. And we'd never heard right at that point, we weren't that big in the UK. We'd never heard anyone singing the words of a song back. Oh God. Yeah. And then it gets to the people. And we know that it's been on the radio, but we don't know how much it's been on the radio. Yeah. Mm. They play the, the opening riff, the da 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 da, and the place is fucking. Goes insane. Yeah. Like, they've checked bodies flying everywhere. Mm. And when, when it gets to the, the hey, man, you can hear the crowd, they're all singing every single word. It's like, whoa. And that oh, was yeah. the first time that had happened to me in my career, too. That was so cool. He he was so excited telling that story. Like you could, I just like felt like I was there. That was so cool. Oh man, yeah. No, definitely felt. It, you know, it was proper bizarre, and especially when he thought it started talking about the argument about the people as well. Because I didn't remember that until he started talking about it, yeah. and then I thought, oh, I do remember that. I do remember turning around and going, "Oh, we can't be asked playing that one." But um, yeah, that that was ridiculous. That I mean, obviously Tim were Tim were having his say on it, but it. Because we could tell when he first came in that he was like, look, there's not many people there. And we we were just like, all right, whatever. But honestly, <laughs> when when you when you went out and actually saw how many people were there and like, it, they're really polite, the Japanese crowds, you know, they got absolutely insane. And then in between songs, you could hear a pin drop. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, then so yeah. we, there was all these people and we started playing and the place erupted. And like Tim said, you could hear him singing the words back to you and the humidity as well. I'll never forget that. It was 
it was just insane. It was proper like and levels of endurance to do that. There was a funny. So after that podcast, I went and got on YouTube and I actually found like some footage of that concert. And the cool part yeah. was, is like between songs, there'd be like little interviews with you guys, like some footage. And one of the, one of those little clips was, uh, you guys were like in the dressing room and Rob was like, he was like, yeah, we had our manager, Tim, go out and look and <laughs> to see how many people were there. And he like started to like recap that story. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Like mm-hmm. right after I heard Tim say this on the podcast, then I watched this video and it was, it was kind of funny, but really cool thing. It really brought it home to me as much, how much kids we were. Do you know what I mean? We was proper like kids. I mean, at the time you think you're 18 or whatever, but looking back and especially some of the video that Phil and Jen have found. Yeah. Um, and like you say, even, even the footage from the Red Marquee, it's mental how young we were doing all that stuff other side of the world with those, you know, pulling those sorts of crowds. Absolutely mental. Yeah, it's crazy. So Tom, you're like big brother, you know, you were in a band before he was, he's in your band and then you see him blow up. What was that like to be the big brother, but then to see little brother just killing it? Oh, he made the most of it. He made the most of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely made the most of it, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had some amazing days out, uh, some amazing trips, uh, saw some amazing gigs, met some amazing people, spent time in London working for Coalition, sort of in in the summers with uh, when I was off from from university. Um, and you know, the, the thing was, we were a, a musical household in the sense that we loved. You know, there was a lot of music in the house, and so. The bands that I listened to at that time, Coalition seemed to to have them all, mm-hmm. and and they they did press for them, and they managed them. I mean, Embrace, I mass, I am a massive Embrace fan. It's still sort of you know I find it mental that he's mates with Rick McNamara now. Frankly, yeah, you know, that, that's <laughs> crazy. Um, but you know to go down there and be around people that are working with those kind of bands, the Charlatans as well. Like they was my my heroes, and I remember in the in the summer. When I was down working there, it was the the summer that Is This It, the Strokes album was released and uh, they were doing the press campaign for that. So a group of us went from Coalition to the Reading Festival to see the Strokes. And then afterwards, uh, we went into London and ended up having a night out with the Charlatans, which to this day is one of the best nights of my life. These guys were my heroes. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was crazy, but amazing. And, you know, there was no sense of uh, jealousy or anything like that. Like like I say, you lived absolutely every minute of it and you were proud of what they were achieving. Um, and to this day, I'm you know massively proud of what, what they achieved, all of them. You know, a brilliant group of lads and they did so well and um, they were a great band and it's good to see them uh, having another go at it. it one funny story I'd like, well, I say funny, uh, talk about you making most of it. We're at Glastonbury, where I was stood there minding my own business, only to have you tap me on my shoulder and go, "Hey, this is Peter Buck," oh. and stick Peter Buck from REM in my face and go, "Look, there he is." And yeah. I'm like, "What the what the hell are you doing?" Yeah, but that, that, well, that wasn't my fault because I was minding my own business, and this guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Excuse me, man, are you with the band? You with the music?" Turn round, and it's Peter Buck, and I was like, "Uh." You, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with the band. <laughs> Definitely, I'm with the band. Do you mind introducing me to the band? Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Do you, can, can I come over and say hi? I just, I, I cut my American accent. I've, I, you know, I've seen some of the set and can I come over and say really? hi? And you guys were all sat on the floor. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, somebody get up and say hello to Peter Buck. Please, somebody get up. And it was you that did, actually, because you're all just sat around minding your own business. I'm not even convinced that everyone realised who he 
who he was. I very, I, I doubt it. Yeah, I uh, I mean, other lads aren't massive uh, REM fans. I wouldn't have thought. But um, yeah, I mean, you know that whole Glastonbury experience. I had no idea crazy. that. I, I didn't know he asked you. Absolutely. I thought you'd basically gone and accosted him and gone, no "Come way. over here, come over here <laughs> no, to meet no, our no. kid. Come and meet our kid." No, <laughs> no way. He, he said, "I've just seen a bit of their set, and uh, can can you take me over to say hi?" Can so, I hear that? Uh, so can I hear that American accent one more time? No way. <laughs> Wasn't it because Auntie Sue came down as well? Didn't she? Didn't she had no idea who he was? Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. I think she was talking to him like he were just a normal person. But bless him, he were really, he were lovely anyway. He were really sound bloke, and um, that, that that's the best thing about festivals is when you're in the artist area and you're all sat in well, essentially like just port cabins uh, all next to each other. So you know, you know, it's summer, so you're all sat out front. You all get talking. Do you know what I mean? You meet some you meet some really interesting people like that, definitely. But but we'd spent years. Everybody did watching Glastonbury on on the telly you know wishing you could go when you're a teenager and, and whatever else and then for your brother's band to be on the main stage playing that that first album was just insane and you know there's some other great bands there and, and I stayed at the side of the stage and watched REM and, and their headline actors as, as well and um, honestly you know it's proper pinch yourself stuff all of this stuff is you sit there and you think this cannot be happening yeah i used to get a big kick out of getting a call from tim saying oh you're supporting charlatans and i think i'll tell our tom that oh, the, and you're like oh we're supporting charlatans there was so like, many of get them. out of it do you know what that that was that was when i knew you you'd made it see it was at the liverpool royal court theater i think and yeah. i think it might have even been the first gig of that charlatans tour it was and um i, I remember just stood in that room massive room the likes of which you'd not played in before to my knowledge no we seen 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 you on that stage with the band that was my favorite bands or one of my favorite bands at the time again absolutely crazy and then there was new order in paris yeah. you, you know get a text or a phone call guess who it's a point new order in paris. i mean new order were a massive band for me I oh think yeah that you know that was one of the first cds i ever bought that greatest hits album of theirs and um yeah we all went over i think all the band's families went yeah over. yeah uh, and we all went over on the ferry to Paris and, and to see you, you know, doing that gig again was, was insane. And then there was the Oasis one. Oasis. Um, at um, Apollo. Yeah. Uh, which again, you know, just insane. I mean, it was especially that, that Charlton's tour for us, like Tom says, and it's, I don't think that really dawned on me quite as much. By that point, I think we'd done our first three tours, which were little, you know, sort of what we call toilet tours to all in, intents and purposes, where it's little venues, you know what I mean? We'd done that North uh, North Midlands and South tour. And it was off the back of that, I think we went out with the Charlatans. And not only was it our first taste of, like, proper size venues, you know what I mean? Like 2,000 plus, um, in some cases more. But it was also that that was our first taste of like the proper tour bus as well. Do you know what I mean? And being on the proper tour bus and the first trip over to Liverpool. And you know, typical enough, well, whether you said it or not, but so we got to Liverpool, parked up outside the venue, and within about 10 minutes, there were loads of kids all over the roof trying to break in. Do you know what I mean? Just like, all that, that, what, what, what's that noise on roof at van? We all got out and looked up, and there's just loads of kids trying to get in skylights. Like, oh, God. But yeah, I mean, it was. Because that's all as well. That was the first time that, 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 that they were catering. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, what are we doing for dinner? It's like, well, well, there's catering. 
what do you mean there's catering? <laughs> you know, there's like a whole room and, you know, catering. You're like, oh, man. And then when we, when we did our first proper, proper tours and we had our own catering, do you know what I mean? That were quality, that. That were absolutely quality. In fact, I think I remember you a lot coming to Brixton and taking advantage of the catering. I think uh, my dad took advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad was like, oh, go back for another one of chocolate sponges. They're lovely. Like, uh, oh, crew aren't eating yet, Dad. So there's plenty there. There's about 50 of them, Dad. But, oh, yeah. It's funny, the perspective, because it's like, you're talking about, oh, man, you know, you knew he made it when, when he was supporting New Order and Charlatans. I would push New Order in front of a bus if it, if it meant I could get tickets to the music. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just funny that, perspective. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing in that, um, you know, as a, as a band, you always knew that, and live shows especially, they were going to blow people away every time they played. Um, and, you know, they, they were undoubtedly ups and downs through, the you know, how, how long they were together. Um, but one thing you always knew is that the live shows were going to be absolutely insane and immense. And, and the, you know, I used to love it, you know, seeing people's faces and, and people getting off on, on the gigs. It's just incredible. So Tom, you played like you said you played in a band. What 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 did you do? You were a singer? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have any songs yeah. you want to sing? Maybe uh, No, yeah. no, no, nothing. <laughs> it was it was a very brief high school sort of uh, you know, rock and roll career and then it ended swiftly, <laughs> as swiftly as it started. But uh, but no, uh, you know, we 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 were a, a musical family in that sense. Um and uh, yeah, you know, we used to mess about, and that—that that was a thing. That was quite a lot of kids our age and our friends were all sort of into it, and we used to go down to a place in, in another nearby village, Davitt's Theatre. Oh, Do you remember where yeah, all yeah. these bands used to play? Yeah. And you know, I think Tim touched on it last week in terms of the bands that were in the Bright Young Things. Just everyone sounded the same, and we're doing the same. You know, Live Forever was in everybody's uh, you know set and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, these guys were just different. They did their own thing. Well, I mean, we were at Davids playing Walls Get Smaller and, and the dance and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like like you say, you know, people would be like, well, you can't play an instrumental. People will get bored. It's like, no, they won't. And, you know, even if they, even if they do, who cares? <laughs> you know, that, that was just that was how we did things, man. But, yeah, then we played Davids. We played the Legion. I mean, God, where, where else did we play around here? Not many places. We, played the, we played the band club. We played the band oh, club. You? Yeah, no, we no, did. No. We did. We played the band club. Um, I think it was one of Stu's dad's mates, fiftieth or something at the time, something like that. Do you know what I mean? One of them. Were like, but, but I think I think that was the point in that you know you, you guys you did a few gigs, but you didn't do loads and loads of gigs. No, and I think we were there was a certain element as well. I think we were, to all intents and purposes, almost resented in Leeds music scene, really, definitely, because we were we were really young, and the Leeds music scene at the time was full of people who'd been plying the trade for years and working hard and. We just didn't do any of that. Do you know what I mean? We I'm trying to remember. We probably did like five, maybe six gigs, if you want to call them gigs, before we were like a proper, you know, like a proper outfit, really. But, but it was hilarious in that after the coalition thing had happened and you were on this trajectory anyway. I'm sure that there was still some gigs in the in the diary. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a couple of them were Battle of the Bands type things. So there was that one at the shopping centre in Freeport. Castleford, yeah, which yeah. you lost. We're like, we've lost. No, but <laughs> to get this though, that was, we turned up there and the, the PA had obviously broken. So this bloke turned round and went, oh, well, a good singer don't need a PA. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, exactly. And we were just like, oh, well, you know, if that's the attitude. But to be fair, Rob's dad were like, well, look, come on, Tim, Tim's driven up from London and, and Rob's come with him as well. Rob Partridge, they've both come up. But yeah, that was, I tell you what, actually, that was one of the most uncomfortable 
25 minutes of my but, life. But nobody cared because everyone knew what was about to, yeah. you know, in terms of family and friends, we all knew what trajectory they were on. And there was another one in Huddersfield. You did some sort of Battle of the Bands in Huddersfield at a pub. We did, And, yeah. and you lost that as well. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, a lot, just like didn't a lot of Jaws uni friends Yeah, yeah, yeah. That? That, that, that was another sort of uni thing. I remember but that we, room. We had like... Um, uh, a, a, lo- a uni student union paper and there was a guy in in uh, at uni at the time who was really into you guys and he started writing articles and a lot of my friends sort of spread the word and you ended up with this proper cult little following in yeah. Huddersfield Uni and loads of people used to turn up to the to the gigs it was uh, yeah really good mm. I, I remember at one gig mum turned up with a, a, a t-shirt on saying I'm or my son's in the music or something like that. And she spent all night with loads of people going up to her, speaking to her. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I gig was that? It was, a, it was a cockpit or the rocket or one of those gigs. And somebody had made her a t-shirt with my son's in the music or I'm oh, mum of the great. music or something like that. Uh, proper in back. I mean, if he didn't, he clearly didn't know about it, he, w- he would have not been happy about that. Oh, well, I mean, to be fair, bless my mum. Uh, one of the worst times for that were at New Order actually at new order um because they were all on balcony and i'd gone out front to watch a little bit of new order and i'd obviously sort of popped out at this little door it was a big venue god knows how she spotted me and probably because i'm a son i don't know but anyway i suddenly sort of looked up and saw this figure waving maniacally and i thought oh bloody hell that's my mum and and she's expecting me to wave back to her in front of like all the and she stood there and everyone's like what's that woman doing is there something wrong with her i'm not and i just i thought i'm not waving back to you i'm not having that Mugging, mugging me off in front of all these people. <laughs> Bless her. But yeah, I mean, there was some massive gigs. One, there were like the, you know, the Blackpool Empress Ballroom. Do you know what I mean? That were a, that were a massive gig. I yeah. can't remember how far into it that was. It, well, it was first album, and Kings of Leon, I think, supported you on that one. And then I don't, I think, I don't know if you did Brixton as well at the same well, time the, as that. There was like the seaside thing, weren't there? There were. Uh, Bridlington and Spa. Yeah, yeah. We did that. Were that were a cracking gig. I remember going to see Manic Street Preachers there when I was like fifteen or something. Um, and on the same tour, did we do Brighton as well? I can't remember, but I think it was no, it was Brixton. One, it were the two seaside ones in Brixton. I think. I think the probably uh, alongside Glastonbury, the biggest pinch yourself moment was the Stade de France U two. Oh yeah, I mean that that's amazing. So Tom, all the music songs ever made. What's your favorite music song? uh tough one uh i think getaway probably is uh is right up there um but yeah i, I don't know really it's a tough one that it was an, it was a fast response but it was interesting that again with tim last week and i will get him on this we will get him talking about this but he managed to skirt out of the fact that you know when we played him getaway on that first album when we played him it you know he wasn't happy with it. He turned around and he was like, well, I'm not going to talk about it too much too much now because we'll get on to it with him, but Tim did not like Getaway at first. Wow. And literally, we... Did, yeah, honestly, honestly, mate. Didn't think it should be on the album, did he, he? didn't think it should be on the album. Didn't, you know, didn't think it was going to be a big song and we were just... Rob left the room. I remember Tim, you know, we, we all sat at the back and Tim sat in the mixing chair up front and we were all sat at the back and we were thinking, oh, he's going to blow his head off this. And so I sat there and then when it finished, he turned around and we expected him to go, wow. I can't, I can't remember his exact words, but I think he's exactly, I think it was pretty much like, that's not good enough. You know, That's oh, not wow. good enough. Do you know what I mean? And we were just like, and I remember uh, uh, Rob just getting up and walking out. But, you know, that that's what Tim were about, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was so passionate about stuff and, and always wanted stuff to be perfect. And we'll talk more about it with him again in a sense of, you know, how he felt that 
our live sound were never captured on the records and stuff like that, which was, it was always a problem that you can never get well, away from that. On, on that topic, uh, I found that bit of the podcast last week interesting when he was talking about the battle between producer and band versus management and A&R and, yeah. and whatever. And um, I remember in 2001, when I was down in, in London with Coalition, you were doing the first EP yeah. uh, in Townhouse Studios and you might as well try to uh, yeah. EP. And my recollection is that that was meant to be disco. The lead track on that was meant to be disco. And um, I used to go down, I used to work at Coalition and then go down in the evening to the studio to see how it got on. And then one one day walked in and you you tried it several times and it it had been scrapped. They were moving on and I, I don't know what went on there. I don't know who made that decision, but I don't know whether that was a similar thing to what Tim was talking about, just feeling the live sound just wasn't captured. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was... I think to be honest, that wasn't me. Well, it were, I think it was all of us. But I remember sitting there and just thinking, it just don't feel right. This, do you know what I mean? It don't like. I don't know. Um, it was certainly nothing to do with. I don't think how Lenny cat. I can't really remember. I just remember a, a whole feeling of. I don't think this is the right song to be trying to record now. But we literally just got the main bits for you might as well try to funk me. Um, so it was a case of... And a bit like with the first album with Float, when it, we realised that track sounded too much like a U2 song, and we were just like, right, we've got to just change this up now. Do you know what I mean? It were, it were a little bit like that. It were like, look, we're, we're in a, a massive studio here. God knows what, plus what, like, townhouse costs, probably two grand a day or something stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, a lot of money in big studios. Um, so it, it could be really disheartening if you... Because that was our first proper recording, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th that, I think so. It was. That uh, that EP was our first... I mean, we recorded in lead with Will Jackson and, you know, not to take anything away from that because, you know, that's a huge part of our heritage and history is the stuff we did with Will Jackson um, and the sound he captured. It, you know, as much as anyone, Will did a great job of capturing our live sound, like, you know, the original demo for Human and stuff like that. I'm just curious why one of your very first songs that you guys made with Hut, uh, you might as well try, that you put a curse in it. <laughs> in the title of the song it's like uh do you not want to get on the radio <laughs> well i mean that's typical of what you guys were like though isn't it it is but it's also typical of the stuff that tim encouraged do you know what i mean because like you were you like you heard tim, tim talk about you know i don't think he felt there was anything wrong with having natural breaks on the situation do you know what i mean breaks is in physically stopping you moving forward you know by calling yourself the you know by calling your band the music in the age of the internet and all that sort of stuff and having a swear word in your first ep title but it was all about sort of building a groundswell at that point do you know what i mean we're like word of mouth and these these little shows we were doing and you know that that record has its place man do you know stuff like oh, yeah. karma um you know there's some great tracks on there some great noises on there you know and that was the first time we've been let loose in a proper studio with all these you know that was pinch yourself stuff though as well, oh, wasn't it? it Being was. in that in that studio. Um and, and I remember Elton John had just done that songs from the West Coast in that studio. And I remember one of the uh, studio engineers saying that's the piano that he he did all the stuff on for that. So I remember when you guys were sort of working, I snuck into this studio and just started bashing bashing <laughs> this piano. I couldn't play it. Just started bashing this piano. Well, why not? Why not? Well that was that also the time that England beat yeah, yeah, we watched England beat Germany five, uh, five, five one, and what were it five one? Five I one. think so. In yeah, in in there, that was uh, that was great. There's a lot of great memories from Townhouse. Um, what did we, do? we were there three times. 
can't remember. We did. We. I mean, we went to a couple of studios various times, but we always had our favourites. Townhouse was one of them, despite the fact it wasn't a proper residential. Because I mean, we'll talk about that later as well. You know, like the the experience you're having a proper residential studio. Do you know what I mean? Where you don't have to go anywhere. You just rock out of bed and rock down into the control room. Do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? It's mm-hmm. Just such a fun experience. But I don't, you didn't come down to Jacobs, did you? No, you didn't come down. Quite a few other people did though. So, Tom, you spent a bunch of time with the band. It seems like. Uh, and what are you doing these days? No, but well, these days I'm a lawyer. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, back then I was just at, at uni doing a law degree, and so in the summers, you know, took advantage of the fact that my brother was in this amazing band and working with these amazing people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it was a good conversation piece. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, to write back, and the fact, you know. Uh, a lot of my mates were into Embrace and, you know, the co-manager manages Embrace as well. You know, that, that, that was insane. But the really nice guys, all of them, you know, uh, Tim, Tony and, and, and Rob Partridge were, were, were really great guys, all with a huge enthusiasm for the, for the band. Uh, and so you kind of get swept up in it. You know, you just get swept up in it. And I think all as friends and family did, um, and rightly so as well, you, you've got to take advantage of those kind of uh, times. Oh, yeah. Man, it's still, it's, it must be pretty cool to like uh, have that level of street cred going to concerts and being like, yeah, that's my brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I never failed to mention those kind of things, to be honest. Um, there was one time, I remember going to a barbecue one time um, and there was this bloke who was clearly some sort of legend in his own mind. We've, we've all met him. And, um, you know, he was in some sort of local band or whatever. And he was telling a couple of us, oh, yeah, I'm in this band. We do all these gigs around here or whatever. And, and I said, all right, my, my brother's in a band. He's like, oh, <laughs> right, what they're called? Said the music. He went, the magic? I've never, I've never heard of the magic. I've never heard of the magic. They can't do many gigs around here if, uh, if I've not heard of them. Said, well, no, I suppose they don't do many gigs around here. Well, what kind of gigs do they do then? I went, well, supported you two in the Stade de France. Charlatans, Oasis, Coldplay. He's like, oh, <laughs> all right, well, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I've met plenty of those people. And it, that's something as well over the last 10 years, um, even like working at Vape Shop, these lads used to come in. And as soon as they come in, I just thought, these lads are in a band. These three lads are a band here. And after they'd come in on fifth weekend, I just went, you lads in a band, yeah? And they were like, oh, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. I've been doing some proper good gigs lately. I went, are you playing tonight? And they went, yeah, yeah. Oh, what were you playing? Oh, my mate's wedding. It's like, <laughs> nice one. But it's weird, like, you know, you could be one of the people that stands out and go, oh, yeah, well, I've done this. And, but you, right. you can't be bothered. I mean, you know, a couple of times someone said, oh, were you in a band? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, did you play out working men's clubs and that? And a few times I'd just be like, yeah, that's what we did. We just played working men's clubs. Oh, that must have been nice. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, you can't cute. be asked going, look, look, I played on some of the biggest stages across the world. Do you know what I mean? With some of the biggest bands. It's it's sort of hard to give people context on that without yeah. sounding like some sort of bragging idiot. Do you know what I mean? So it's like when people find out about it naturally, you know, there's people who've known me for years and don't know anything about this. And now this is all kicked off. Like it, it, it's <laughs> that quite must be weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. They're like, well, you're just a lad who works in vape shop. What are you on about? It's like, it's not my fault. But, but you know, that, that chance to, and this is why Temple News is so important. And let's just hope that, you know, this COVID situation dies down and, and, and we could do it. Yeah. Um, because to give everyone the opportunity to just revisit it and feel like we all felt again, um, I think is really, really important. But, you know, I was talking about pinch yourself moments earlier and, you know, those, those that ticket sale, the morning of the ticket sales, you were texting me saying, well, you know, 2000 tickets sold. 
three thousand tickets sold, four, five, six, seven. And we, you know, we we couldn't believe it. No, it that was insane. They were rapid numbers. Um, yeah, we'd sold. I think we'd sold. I think we'd sold seven thousand within the first twenty minutes or something daft like that. It was literally because we we had like a live counter. Um, uh, Tony had like a live feed, so he were relaying the numbers to us. But you know, we we had no idea the tickets were going to move that fast. You know what I mean? But it just seemed to work perfectly. All that and. You know, I was like hard on Twitter every day. And it's weird really, because I'm sure now people will be like, well, he was just deliberately trying to build up excitement for this gig. I wasn't. That's not what I was deliberately trying to do. You know, like I said all along, I was just sharing in everyone reliving all these mem- memories and obviously being at the heart of it. I wanted to get involved with it all. Do you know what I mean? That's that's sort of why I got so heavy into Twitter and started sharing all these stuff. It was sort of like a, a handy organic byproduct. I said organic again, Adam Duffield like that, just a little reference there. But yeah, do you know what I mean? It was almost like a byproduct. Yeah, it was kind of cool for me to see that because we, we started chatting over the summer and uh, it was just interesting to see all of that uh, unfold because, yeah, you kind of transitioned. And I, I remember an earlier conversation I had with you uh, <laughs> off offline and it, it, yeah. it, uh, it definitely surprised me. But um, it was about like when you were working in the uh, not the vape shop, but you were working doing some gardening. And yeah. I was really surprised at your reaction because somebody apparently one of your customers apparently found out that you were in the music and not something that you would brag about you know you're just you're doing you're enjoying doing the the landscaping and uh or the gardening and uh this guy's like basically telling you there's no way you there's no way you're in the music uh that you're in the music and you got upset about it and all i kept thinking was well of course he was surprised (laughs) because You're, here you are this uh in his mind this amazing guitar player and he's just really surprised that you're not doing something equally as uh you know yeah, musical but I, guess but so. yeah. <laughs> I think the specific one you're talking about is lee in the vape shop because i mean lee it's not not just like he knows who the music are lee sort of lived the music like tim lived the stone roses do you know what i mean okay. we were lee we were lee's band so I think that made that extra more special for Lee. And I remember his face when he came back in after he'd found out. I didn't know he knew, but I remember him walking out. I'm like, what's wrong with his face? And he came right up to me and he went, Mia says that you've said that you were in the music. I went, yeah. And he went, you weren't in the music. <laughs> and it was at that point, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I begged to, I begged to differ. And then, and then he was like, well, they're from Keithley. I was like, well, first off, we're from Kipax. And second, stop saying they. It's me, thanks. I'm still <laughs> yeah. in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like one of my best mates now is Lee. We talk all the time. He's a proper good lad. But yeah, there was a customer as well, uh, gardening. It was actually Dave's uncle. He was like a massive fan of the music. And yeah, sort of I'd be out there doing bits and he'd come out and be like, well, it's, you know, it's an absolute crime that you're here doing my garden. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Do you know what I mean? Cut me some slack. What do you want me to do? turn around and say Dave you want to pay me to be a musician mate I'll go home start writing songs you know what I mean but otherwise I've got you know I've got to get out there and do some graft yeah cool to see that process anyway just from from the summer all the way on to now so and uh, like you Tom I'm, when they announced the gig I was I was very excited I definitely got a ticket right away my buddy Mike and I we're, we're coming from from the states he's, he's from Florida and I'm from North Carolina but yeah I, we always said man if the if the music ever surface again and they announce a gig we're going no matter what no matter where it is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, everyone's got to be there. Everyone's got to be there. Yeah, and that's the thing as well. There'll still be people out there who don't know about it. Do you know what I mean? Like fans of the music who, who sort of, I mean, there's still now today on Twitter, there's people coming in going, I had no idea any of this were going on. Do you know what I mean? And then oh, yeah. they've, they've got so much content to go, well, certainly on mine, they've got so much content to go back through. 
Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. They got podcasts. They got YouTube videos. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there. So a lot of people are going to catch up. And uh, yeah, like you, Tom, and I'm really hoping COVID doesn't uh, doesn't get in the way because uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be amazing. So Tom, have you heard any of his uh, any of the new stuff that Adam's been working on? Yeah, yeah. Um, he occasionally, well, more than occasionally, he, said, he tends to send me clips of tunes and, and things like that. And I'll give him my opinion for what it's worth on, on various things. But I think, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, and I'm, I mean this, it's just really good to see Adam back in a creative mood yeah, and doing what Adam does best really. And, and that's making music and being involved in, in music and, you know, uh, uh, nailing my colors to the mast. I would like nothing more than a full, the music reunion with new album and, <laughs> and everything else. Uh, and, I, and I don't mind saying it, but uh, you know, at the same time, you know, from a brother perspective, I want Adam to uh, do what he needs to do. And, and, and certainly, you know, at the moment, he seems to be on a, a really strong creative streak and the songs that he's producing sound really good. And if he can get into a position where he can, uh, you know, start releasing those for people to hear, that will be amazing. That's definitely my plan. And yeah, Pete, you know, like I send the tunes to you, I send it to Tom, you know, I've got like a, probably about 10 people I send my songs to. I don't. I only send finished ones to everyone else. I send. I tend to send bits of clips to Tom as well, um, and I actually use his WhatsApp as a reference board as well because I can't be asked looking through videos in my own phone. So I think if I just peg it to his WhatsApp, then if I need to go listen to it, I can just jump straight into his WhatsApp and I don't have to surf <laughs> through stuff. But yeah, man, it, no, it's really it's really helpful as well um, having someone's opinion who you know musically that I trust. Do you know what I mean? Because you can send them to some people, and some people aren't really into music. Do you know what I mean? And they're just going to be like, yeah, it's good or whatever. Ever, but you know I, I don't want people to tell me stuff's good if, if it isn't good but certainly um you know I, I think i started writing in september and i think it's only now i think like now i feel like i'm on a bit of an official break now i don't know whether that'll last until christmas I, i've been doing bits but i think i've done so much like i've got about 15 songs or something since early september i just feel like i'm gonna have like a few weeks off because, I mean, that's the beauty of this, and I've said it before, it, it's more about it being fun than anything else. But yeah. at the same time, you know, I want to create stuff that's good. You know, I can write songs all day, every day. It's not hard, but writing something with gravitas and with, you know, a really great melody, you know, that's what my challenge is all about at the moment. That's what I'm enjoying doing. But, you know, it's, it's like Tom says in terms of the music reunion and new music and all that stuff. You know, like you heard, you know, you heard Tim last week, and if you didn't, you should go listen to it. So I'm not really going to elaborate on that. But it was at the end. And, you know, he said, you know, a couple of things about what might happen in the future, what might not happen. We don't know. We just know that primarily our focus, well, our focus is this reunion show. You know what I mean? And and not really anything beyond that. It's difficult to look beyond that, really. You know, we need to we need to start thinking about rehearsals. But I mean, that's going to be really fun. You know, oh, yeah. like that's reliving old times. And I don't suppose we've really talked about that much on the podcast, have we? Uh, that first rehearsal for us, or did we? I'm not sure if we no, covered that. But no. um, you know that that was that was a. Uh, it was brilliant that because we were all terrified about that. Well, not terrified, but we, you know, it was a case of there was the idea of doing this gig, and it was like, well, yeah, you know, there's a few things to sort out. We sorted them out, and then it was a case of, you know, can we actually play? And yeah. you know, that's so getting in the getting in that room. Although it, would, it must have been 35 degrees in that room. Honestly, it was a it were at the height of the summer when it, it got pretty seriously hot, didn't it? On some days, and we were in that room, and that it was hardcore. So it'll be nice. I think you know we might even be planning planning on doing some stuff towards the end of december maybe 
Um, so what you know any, anyway the next sort of lot of practices we do I'll be I'll obviously be filming clips from and tweeting clips from I'm really looking forward to that actually getting sort of Twitter back up and running because obviously it, since I've been writing so much that my Twitter output's died down do you know what I mean but priority shift I suppose but I think everyone understands that you know as a co-host of this podcast I think it would only be right if I covered these practices uh, <laughs> so maybe I should fly to Leeds and uh, just, just make sure everything is covered from a you know, from a journalistic uh, standpoint, Do that's it, all man. I'm saying. Absolutely, if absolutely, mate. Yeah, but I'm not paying for your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thought I had uh, the other day, I, I I I stopped dead in my tracks, and I was like, oh no, we're doing these podcasts, and they're fun, and they're great, and 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 we're getting a lot of positive feedback. But I was like, are we getting in the way of your creative, you know, <laughs> process? Like you've been because you've been writing some great stuff, and then you were like, come on, let's, because we had been talking about doing the podcast for a while. And then one day you were like, all right, Pete, I think it, I think we're ready to hit that first episode. And we started and we hadn't stopped. And then I thought the other day, I was like, oh, crap, I hope we're not. I hope I'm not in the way of what you're doing uh, creatively. That would suck. No, no, man. No, not at all. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's a long converse, conversation in itself. But when the podcast was first conceptualized, so to speak, I don't think... I don't think at that point I wasn't I was intending on writing music. I think the podcast was kind of going to be my own, my focus and that and then everything moved so quick and you know like I don't know I got a lot of positive feedback about my own songs that I put on YouTube and then I don't know people just building up my confidence in general on Twitter and then I obviously decided to start writing and it was difficult because when I started writing I remember thinking I've got no interest in this podcast now not in a bad way (laughs) not in a bad way just like I mean I do that I've always done that since I was really young so much me everything and then 10 minutes later it's not and I just you know that's as much I'm on I'm on board for the ride with that as much as anyone around me I no control over that do you know what i mean yeah. people would always be like well you like that yesterday you know i don't today people could never understand that where it was just like black and white to me just like well, i don't like it today and i'll never like it again <laughs> regardless of how much i might have loved it yesterday it's gone now that's good to know that you know any day now you're gonna stop liking the podcast <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that yeah anyway so yeah I was well into writing and coming up with all these great tunes and I thought, you know, what we're doing with this podcast, what we're doing and, you know, we'd be sort of backing and forth in and we were talking about, well, you know, we, we want to video it so I was thinking, right, well, I've got to get my head around what camera stuff I need and quite a few other things and they just felt like blockers in the way and I think that's the day when I rang you and I was like, look, I'm not interested in any more let's do this or let's do that. I just want to press record and start talking and, you know, everything else will just fall into place. Because yeah. I remember thinking, if I don't do it now, I don't know if I will because I was just so locked in that right in zone but to answer your question no i don't think so i mean how many have we done we've done six and i have written well i think i've written a couple of great songs since we've been doing them i mean i mean that's a again i say this a lot but that's a conversation in itself is a creative process and the sort of divots and stuff that it takes because i was like really sort of just full on at first and it's only now well i guess what it is i mean my quality control has gone up really fast you know like stuff Stuff that I did first that were blowing my mind, you know, if I were coming out with that now, I'd be like, well, that's not good enough. So it's like, it's interesting to see how fast I'm moving in terms of, you know, writing these great songs. And as I say, it's got to the point now where I'm still writing quite a few things a day, but they've got to be, they've got to be as good as or better than the last one. And if they're not, I'm not interested. I'm not sending stuff around people that's yeah. not as good as the last thing. Do you know what I mean? 
So to answer your question, no, it's not got in the way. And if anything, it's really nice to have it broken up, especially now I'm not gardening um, because doing my two days gardening, it was just really nice change of scenery, um, you know, doing something different outside. You forget about that. But actually, and especially creatively, I used to do a lot of work gardening. So I'd be doing my gardening, but also I don't really need my brain for that. So all that time I'd be writing in my head. And with that point, I could then go straight home and press record and not go straight home and go, right, I need to tweak this melody and tweak mm. these lyrics. I could just go straight home and go, well, I've written them today while I was mowing that lawn. Oh, wow. And then record it. That's crazy. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's how I've always, that's, that's how I write music. You know what I mean? Like any sort of resonating frequency from any piece of machinery will give me inspiration. And that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. I mean, it's something to do with my hearing. Like my sleep machine, any sort of white noise, I'll hear a song in it. And I won't just hear like a suggestion of a song. I'll hear the full song. I realise it's my brain doing it and it's not actually in the sound. But like shower, I've, I've heard songs in the shower and then come straight out and written them. I've heard songs come out of that sleep machine. Hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous, that thing. It's supposed to put you to sleep. But like I said, I can hear songs pouring out of it. And it's like, I'll hear it's clear melodies to the point where I turn the thing off and go, right, who's singing? Or who's got a phone open? It's not. It's me hearing the resonating frequencies out of that piece of machinery and it sounding like music to me. Do you know what I mean? It's saying with gardening equipment, mowing. And the work, the best one is if I'm doing any work with combi, the hedge cutter, if I rest the engine on my hip bone, it resonates through my whole body. So at that point, you're like, God, there's tons of melodies there. And as like I was telling you, the start of the rain, yeah. um, that's effectively what that is. I can't remember what I was messing with. I was messing with Summit, and I proper made Summit sound metallic. And in fact, when we were working with um, the lad from, oh, Death in Vegas, wasn't it? And we had this little, we had this little metallic drum loop anyway, and it was just playing, and it had loads of resonating frequencies in it. And I was like, bang, I want that. And he was like, what do you mean? I went, all right, I want a loop of that because I've written a song to it. And he was like, what, already? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and then we went home and that turned into the rain. The start of the rain where you hear that boom, boom, yep. boom, 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 that. But you know what I mean? Uh, that's that's um, just some random thing that gave me inspiration. And that's kind of how I've been writing for a while now, you know. Sweet. Well, yeah, man, I think we're, uh, we're at the top of the hour for this one. Um, Tom, first of all, thanks for coming. Uh, it's been really cool getting your insight into uh, growing up with Adam. And uh, man, I, I'm still going to be trying to on the, on the hunt for some demo tracks of this first band that you guys are in. But uh, <laughs> don't exist. Non exist. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem at all. No, I mean, there'll be, you know, come on again. There'll be plenty of other stuff to talk about and leading up to the shows as well. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of possibilities leading up to the show. I'm really looking forward to that. Like I say, sort of turning every little bloody thing into content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of good stuff out there, man. And I'm here for the ride. It's good stuff. So. Okay, so I think that'll do it. We've been talking for long enough. Um, so yeah, again, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode. A bit of fresh insight from someone else again. You know, the first few episodes, just me and Pete, that ran really cool. And since we've had Tim on, I think, you know, everyone's sort of spoken about how the dynamic of having three adds a little bit more to it. So it's been really great having Tom on and hearing his thoughts. You know, it's been nostalgic for me. Um, so yeah, we'd probably like to keep on the train of guests coming really. So it's going to be interesting to, I think, you know, we'll have Stu next, maybe if he's free, Stu, Phil, and then and Rob um you know it, it would be great at some point to try and get us all on together but I just oh, yeah. don't know how well that's gonna work but maybe we can make that work that's something I'd quite like but I also want to get everyone on indi individually and talk to them about different stuff so that's all stuff that's coming in future anyway plus you know people like Rick McNamara and Martin Carr as well just all sorts of fresh insight on music in general and interesting artists who will have stories to tell but yeah that'll do it for this time anyway so thank you very much for listening bye for now